0: Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Good to be with you today. My name's Tim, and uh, welcome to Getter Olden Church. Good to have you with us. And we're in a sermon series called U Turn, and uh, I hope you're enjoying this. We're looking at conversions. I've learned so much uh, from looking at these conversions in the book of Acts. When you start reading the book of Acts, and that's going to be our focus all year, we're trying to have that focus all year, we've been looking at all these different people who turn to the Lord. I think the other day I said something about there were 31 references. Or, or uh, accounts of, of um, conversions ranging from they turn to the Lord, they've accepted the word to full-blown detailed conversions. I may, I think there's 32 now. I found a 32nd one. We're talking about that 32nd one today. I didn't consider it as a conversion, uh, but we're going to look at it in, in Acts chapter 8. If you want to turn there, we'll be we'll be there in just a minute. Acts chapter 8. You know, Someone may say, why are we looking at these conversions, Tim? Well, I think our response to what God says is important. Our response to the gospel. What's that, Jim? More volume? Our response to the gospel is very important. Oh, okay. All right. But it is, isn't it? And that's what we see in Matthew 18... <laughs> Man, you're tripping me out. In Matthew 18, it says here, look what Jesus said. He said, I assure you that if you don't turn your lives around and become like this little child, you will definitely not enter the kingdom of heaven. I want to be in the kingdom of heaven, you know. And it says here that you do that by turning your lives around. And we learned that that word for turning your lives around is the Greek word behind the New Testament, the epistopho, which means to turn or do a U-turn. And, and another word for It's converted. Jesus says unless you be converted like this child. And he's talking about turning around. So by looking at these conversions... I'm hoping that you and I will learn what it means to turn to God. And when you read the book of Acts, all kinds of people are turning to God. There's whole towns, households, there's individuals, there's popular people, not so popular people, powerful people, women and men. We see this throughout, we've throughout the book of Acts. Luke is wanting us to see. You know, God is guiding him. He's wanting Theophilus to see, because that's where the book is written is written to, is a guy named Theophilus, perhaps a new Christian, a new believer. He wants, wants Theophilus to see, look what it means to turn to God, Theophilus, and many times you're going to find yourself turning to God again and again and again. You don't just turn to God once. In my experience, I've been turning to God many times, and we will probably turn to God many times during this lesson. <laughs> okay, It's just a way of life. Turning to the Lord, depending on the Lord. And I've noticed that while I'm reading these conversions, it talks about cities full of joy, people going home full of joy, they're eating in their home full of joy. You get the impression, wow, everything's just working out when you become a Christian. Everything's just wonderful, and it's like they lived happily ever after. Everything turns out fantastic. And you know that's not true, right? That not every time, that just because you turn to the Lord, yes, everything is good, everything's great, but there's times we make mistakes. One of the things I notice is that reading about the conversions, I'll have people come up to me or I'll study with somebody with the Bible and they'll say, Tim, you know, what book would you recommend I read? I always say, Book of John, it's very good, or the Book of Mark, yeah. But sometimes I'll say, why don't you check out the conversions in Acts? And the reason I do that is because sometimes these conversions really speak to the person. They, they speak to everybody that's considering Christ. I know when I was considering Christ, and he says, You need to look at the Apostle Paul. Have you looked at his conversions in the book of Acts? I go, No. Why don't you read those? And so I begin to go to Acts chapter 9, and then you find him again in Acts, in, in Acts, in Acts 22, you know, different, different places uh, he refers to his conversion and and she said and i remember denise saying so what have you learned as you've looked at that conversion cuz i can i compared my conversion i considered myself to be a christian i was definitely religious i went to church every sunday come on you know and i gave a little money a quarter or two but i gave a little money and i you know you could count on me for that and i even taught a sunday school class so i'm i'm in and she goes what did you notice well i noticed he's jewish yeah but his sins need washed away Yeah, what what do you realize? That you can be religious and be lost. And, oh my, are you saying I could be religious and yet be lost? What about it, Tim? And you know, that, that looking at the conversion of the Apostle Paul helped me so much to learn how to turn to God. But I've also had some people ask me questions like this: What if I sin after I become a Christian? You ever asked that question, or had somebody ask you that? What if I blow it after I become a Christian? I mean, you know, they got this idea, or maybe you've had that idea that you you can't get out of line. You know, once you become a Christian and you get baptized, that's serious stuff. And if I sin, that must mean uh, that I'm not serious about Christ. No, it just means you're human like everyone else. It's you could be serious and still be sinner. I'm a sinner. And I'm serious about following Christ, and I sin. And, and in this conversion about Simon the Sorcerer, I've never thought of it as a conversion. In fact, in my little list of um, conversions I've got in my Bible, the 31 references I have, I carry with me, uh, I didn't list him. I didn't list him as a, as a conversion. I listed all the other Samaritans, but I didn't list him. Because I've always thought, well, he's a he's a fake Christian. He wasn't a real Christian. He had fake faith. He was a charlatan. He's a flimflam man. You know, he's he's not really for real. And then, as a, as you closely start as a closer look at Scripture, you find that that uh, may not be the case here. Um, in fact, the opposite may be true. And uh, let's read, if we would. Um, Let's read a little bit here in Acts chapter eight. All right, we're going to start picking up in verse nine. And uh, if you've got a Bible or a cell phone or an iPad or whatever you want to read it on, uh, somebody's T-shirt maybe they've got on their T-shirt today. Uh. Here's Acts chapter eight, verses nine and the following. Now, the same time a man, this is after the church had been scattered. Now, for some time. A man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God, In the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself was believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given by the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability to, that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money you have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps He'll forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I can see you're full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me. That nothing you have said might happen to me. Now, this is a conversion that's very interesting because a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there that think that this was not a real conversion. I happen to not be one of them. Uh, if If you look at this, notice it says here. Uh, in Acts 13 up on the screen here Simon himself believed and was baptized and he followed Philip everywhere astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw it says that he believed and was baptized now look what Jesus said in Mark 16 he made this promise in Mark 16 whoever believes and is baptized will be saved so is Simon saved? I think he is I think he is And and, and again, he appears like any new believer, too. He's so astonished and so excited, he's following the guy who taught him and trying to learn. But he's also amazed at the guy and what he can do with those signs and those miracles. But you can't ignore something that's happening. Something isn't right with Simon. You guys ever made a wrong turn on a road? You're traveling? My brother isn't here. There's, a, there's several guys that are down at uh, a cave in southern Illinois. Um, rock House is what they call it. They went last year. A bunch of them did, and they, they hike just about a mile in, and uh, then. And what's that? Is it two miles? Uh, the GPS says uh, three thousand feet. Well, it's because you got lost. You guys got lost. They they, that's what happened. That's what I heard last year. Uh, a a one-hour hike turned into a much longer deal, and uh, a bunch of them are down there right now. And if my brother were here, you know what he'd say? Yeah, tell him about Gato. Gato. I hate it. That story. Mmm. It sets my teeth on edge when I think about it. I get, get just nauseous thinking about Gato my brothers and I, we were out traveling, if you remember one time. We are all in our 50s. We are celebrating. Let's do a Thoma Louise and Larry trip. So we all get in my truck with a pop-up camper and we head west. Uh, go west, young man. And so we go west and we go see my mother. Our plan is to go to Grand Canyon. That falls through. So and we're leaving Sierra Vista, Arizona and heading back and we're trying to find a place to camp. It's starting to get dark. It's getting late in the afternoon. I'm tired. And... There's a sign that says there's a little camper with a little arrow, three miles. Just turn left, three miles, we'll have a campsite. We're relaxing, living a dream. Sixty miles later, we end up ten miles further if we'd have stayed on the main road. We go like to go only ten miles further if we just stay on the highway. And we noticed it said, as we're turning, Danny goes, Look, we're going to go to Gato. And I go, Where's Gato? I don't know. Aren't you excited? And I go, Yeah. And then about five miles, ten miles... This this road is dirt with grass growing in the middle about so tall. There's cattle out there we're having to wait to cross. And there's potholes and washboards. I've got a pop-up camper that's bouncing around like a basketball. Everything's breaking inside. My truck is full of dust. And my younger brother, we're going to Gato. And I said, I'm going to kill you in Gato. <laughs> And my older brother, I mean, I had my moment. I had no the moment there. I, lo- I lost it. I'm ready to break the steering wheel. I'm like, I'm tired and it's dark. We've, we got lost. You ever made a wrong turn? And this doesn't, it happens to me all the time. All the time. Denise and I are going home to Bone Gap. The bridge on 161 is out, so I said, I know a way around. You do? Yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing. I make a right, and I go down this road and around. I'm going, surely this road ends up the other way. And the GPS is saying, recalculating, 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 turn around, turn around, turn around. And she goes, you sure? And we end up, the gravel, uh, paved road turns into a gravel road, turns into a dirt road. And now there's grass. It's just a path. And then there's this sign. It looks like something from Deliverance. Don't come in here, you know. <laughs> and she goes, where are we? I think we're lost. You think? you ever made a wrong turn all the time the signs say turn here the signs say danger the signs say bridge out but we don't pay attention GPS is pleading with us you know recalculating please turn around please (laughs) I don't want to be found in some ditch somewhere my battery dead please my wife is saying, "Turn." Why don't I listen to her? Why didn't? I, why didn't? Why didn't? I, my gut told me not to turn at Gato. It told me this was wrong. But we, and then we end up. We end up in life, don't we? Somebody go. How did this happen? How did I get here? And if somebody was next to us, they'd say, "I'll tell you how I got here. You said that, and you did that, and wow, you thought that." <laughs> That's what I don't need any help. But that's what happens. We make these wrong turns at Albuquerque. And we end up in these places emotionally, physically, mentally, and above all, spiritually. And that's what this conversion's about. It's about a guy who's going a certain way. He decides to follow Christ, but then he gets off track. And all the warning signs are trying to tell him, you need to turn around. That's what happens here. And to me, it's um, look. Look look at this. Look at this passage here in Acts 8 here on the screen. After he after he follows uh, Philip and then he sees Peter and John. Look what he says. He says, "I want to buy this. I want to buy this ability, this power you've got." And look what Peter says. He says, you can have no part of this, for your heart is not right with God. Here's the guy who was believed was baptized, and now his heart's not right with God. He's got off track. And he, look what he says. Turn from your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he'll forgive, you, forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you're full of bitter, of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Why does Luke record this conversion? Luke, you're not helping me here. I want to encourage people to follow and then you got this one stuck in the middle of the book of acts this is this is not good not good pr this is not good pr you know and I'll tell you why it's here because it it helps us face and helps us confront that question what do I do when I mess up cuz nobody wants to mess up when they follow Jesus right and yet we see this guy, we see we see Luke informing us and encouraging us, but in this one, he's warning us. And what I want to do is I want to spend just talk about two warnings that I notice in this passage and one thing that encourages us when we get off the road. What are they, Tim? What can I learn from this conversion? Well, from Simon's conversion, the first thing I learn is I must find my amazement in Jesus. My amazement must be in Jesus. Was there a song we just sang a minute ago? In your courts you'll find me and worship at your feet. Hide me now. I, I couldn't but weep. Changing that word just a little bit. That today I can be in the presence of God. Of course. I never even thought about that, Alan. I never thought about What an encouraging thought. That song means so much more to me now than it used to because that song points me to be amazed at Jesus and see that if we're not careful we can be amazed with signs and wonders and other things that point to Jesus and never see Him just imagine if you would Nicole and uh, Nora are having uh, breakfast together, and uh, Nora's sitting there, and you know, she's eating, and and uh, they're talking. And she's, How you doing, Nora? Ah, more, more, you know, they're having a good time. And all of a sudden, a cardinal flutters up to the window sill. It's a beautiful red cardinal. And Nicole goes, Hey, look, Nora, look, there's a bird, look. And Nora's like, Huh? And what is she looking at? She's not looking at the bird. What do you think she's looking at? Look, the bird, the bird. Look, Nora, follow, follow the thing. Look. And she's like, look, look. She's excited. Nicole's excited. Nicole is pointing. Nora is pointing. And the bird is sitting there going, Why won't anybody look at me? And before you know it, the bird flies away. And... All that pointing, Nora didn't get to see the bird. And that's what Nicole wanted all along. You follow me? Oh, we get so caught up in signs and wonders. You know, I like signs. I'm traveling somewhere. I need those signs. But you know, in my family album, I don't have a lot of pictures dedicated to signs. Grand Canyon. Welcome to... Grand Canyon. We all get out of the car. One more. That's it. And then 150, 200 more are of Grand Canyon. (laughs) You know, saying, "Wow, it's Grand Canyon." Welcome to Arizona. So we stop. We get out. Get on the sign. You know, Matthew or Nathan will go. You know, they'll do some funny thing. You know, New Mexico. Welcome to New Mexico. We don't hug the sign. We don't go crazy over the sign. The sign's done its job. You follow me? It's just a sign. I'm not I didn't drive to see the sign. You follow me? I drove to the destination. The pointing. All the pointing, all the signs. See, that's what Simon's caught up in. He's amazed. The people of Samaria are amazed at signs and wonders. See, Samaria was a hotbed for the occult and witchcraft and, and, and magic. And Simon, along with all the Samaritans, are caught up. They're, all, they're amazed. In fact, it says twice. There's three times the word amazed is used in this passage. And two of them refer to the Samaritans who are amazed at Simon. And the amazing things he did, they gave their, their attention to him because he was, a, he was called the great power. In fact, he bragged about it. I got the best show on the strip. Well, then this other guy shows up. Have you seen the new guy? What? This new guy? The new show in town? What's the, What are you talking about? This guy named Philip. Well, what's he do? Well, he, he's doing some stuff I've never seen before. Some you ought to come see him. Well, I am interested in seeing this guy. And he's sitting there and watching, and all of a sudden he goes, Oh, my. Oh, wow. How did he do that? I wonder how he did that. And now he's amazed. He's caught up in the amazement. Look what it says here in Acts 8, verse 6. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed... Notice what it says. They all paid close attention to what he said. He pointed, and they didn't look at the pointing. They looked at what he was pointing at. And look at this in Acts 8, verse 12. When they believed Philip as he proclaimed... In other words, what did he say? He proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized both men and women. What did he talk about? When he got their attention, he said, I want to talk to you about how it is in the kingdom, and I want to talk to you about Jesus. And because of that, they they believed and were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon, look verse 13. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. And notice what happens. He began following Philip everywhere he went, and he was amazed, astonished by the signs and great miracles Philip Perform. You see, Solomon for a long time amazed the, this town in Samaria, but there was a new show in town, and it was amazing. Made what he looked like, like you know, card tricks or something. Nothing compared to what Philip was doing. It kind of reminds you of Moses when he's before the sorcerers of Egypt. Remember how they would they could do some of his tricks, but they couldn't do them all, could they? They went, hey, this Moses guy's pretty good. <laughs> Where's he getting this? See, God's power is so much more superior and impressive than man's power. What you and I can do on our own with some wires and some lighting, God can do without all that. He's amazing. And so, Simon is following Philip everywhere. And I think it's, notice, that's what I noticed, a little transition here. He's, he's amazed. It's like the other people that were baptized, that were believed and baptized. They're not the focus anymore. Luke turns his attention over to this guy. He notices he sticks out like a sore thumb. Something's going on with Simon. And what's going on is he's getting caught up in the sign, and he's not seeing the bird. He's getting all excited about the sign, the wonders. Philip, how do you do that? I want to be like you. I want to be able to do what you do. And he's forgetting it's about Jesus. And guys, when we get caught up in signs, sometimes if we're not careful, we get so caught up in signs, these things. Have you ever seen one of those signs at a rest, our restaurant it has a finger pointing restroom here. You know, we have those signs everywhere. We get so caught up in sometimes these signs before us that we're, we're, we stop short of being amazed at what they point to. Simon had difficulty seeing Jesus. Because he was stuck on the sign, captivated by the signs. See, there's a lot of different signs. They're not just miracles that we can get all caught up in. There's other signs. If we're not careful, we get so caught up in. And this is a warning for us, it's a warning for you and I, to really make sure we reserve our amazement for what the sign is pointing to. What are you talking about, Tim? Well, I'm saying sometimes sermons can be a sign. Retreats can be a sign. A movie can be a sign. Some music can be a sign. These are all good signs. Well, I'm not saying they're bad. Good signs do their job. Follow me so far? People can be a sign. Amen. Ministries can be a sign. Amazing ministry. Amazing charismatic person. Amazing guy or amazing girl. Amazing moment, emotional moment. I had an amazing moment during the Lord's Supper. I kid you not. I sat there and wept, thinking about, just thinking about today, Lord, you'll find me at worship at your feet. I don't have to wait, I can have that today what a moment but guys so often if we're not careful these signs we they don't get us any further closer to Christ and that's what a sign's supposed to do get us closer to the destination what do you mean tim i'm saying like wasn't that a good sermon yeah it was great but that's about it we don't go any deeper than it was well presented or whatever presented or, or, what a retreat. How many of us have binders from retreats from years? I got them. That own little shelf of them. Almost two shelves of them. I never go back to them. You say, well, Tim, you know, you don't, that, 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 that's normal. I'm saying to you is that sometimes we can get so caught up in, wasn't that a nice movie? And yeah, really nice, but it never, I can be impressed without God making an impression that's what I'm talking about and this is a warning for us that it's really about Jesus it's not about not about all the signs they're good but what do they point to there's where my amazement needs to be I'm reading a book called Replenish and there's a chapter there that uh, when I first saw it I didn't like it it said ministry is not your life and I went well I already got a problem with this author Till I get my pencil out and I'm getting ready to knock out that knot. Because ministry is your life. I'm getting ready, and for some reason I go, wait a minute, maybe I should read the chapter. So I opened a chapter up and I start reading it, and within five or six lines, he brings up a passage in Colossians three that says, And when Christ, your life, appears, I went, Oh, who's my life? Is ministry my life? Christ is my life. Christ, Jesus must be. I should be amazed at Him. Not, not determine whether I get something, whether the churches or or my group or my experience of Christ. It comes from you know, determine it by. How good was it, or how well presented, or, or how big it was? We had all kinds of people at this event. That's wonderful, but you can be impressed with the event and never be impressed with Christ. We had all kinds of people playing basketball. That's fantastic, but what was it really about? We had a good time. I like wings. I get I get satisfied with the sign you think about that for a minute? Let that dwell on. You. I want, I want you to think about it this week. Do you find yourself looking for and getting all excited about a sign? And I and I understand that they can be exciting. But are, but are you excited about what the sign points to? Look at this passage here. Um in in Psalms 40 He he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what He's done and be amazed. And that's true. God does amazing things. But look what the results are. What are the results, church? They will put their trust in the Lord. That's what they'll be amazed with. Not just what He's done, but who He is. And so the first thing I notice here, it's a warning for us. When we're studying these passages like this, this, this one here is warning me, Tim, is your amazement in Christ or is it in some sign? Because if you, if, you, if you get caught up in the signs, you're going to miss the bird. You're going to miss the whole point. See, Simon missed, he could not see his sin. He couldn't, he couldn't see it creeping back in. He couldn't see Christ because he was too busy focused on the sign. Number two, becoming a Christian. Becoming a Christian is not about what I can get. That's the second thing. That's the second warning I notice. I notice something about Simon. His motives are starting to change. His strategy begins to change. It seems like he's slipping back into his old habits. Oh, what's his old habit? What's he slipping into? Well, it's, it's becoming, what can I get? So you, you're either a consumer or a contributor in the kingdom of God you're either a consumer or a contributor which one do you think you are most of the time is it about what i can get i just don't get fed i just didn't get much out of that uh, uh, why do i have to, i don't what do i get if i do this how's this going to benefit me if i do this and it's a natural thought you got it right that's the way we are but becoming a christian changes that value system it turns it upside down, so to speak. And as Philip is following, let me just show you what I mean. As Philip is following, or I mean uh, Simon is following Philip, some new guys come to town. Up here on the screen, let's read here. Notice this. When the, when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Those are like the rock stars of the apostles. The two big guys. Like there's Peter, James, and John. They sent two of them. Wow, you can just imagine. Look at this. And so they're coming into town, and when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And verse 18, look what it says. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. He he couldn't get it out of his pocket fast enough. And he says, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. I got a question. What happened to Philip? What happened to him? He was following Philip. Simon was following Philip everywhere. Everywhere he went. He got dropped like a hot potato. There's two guys why because Simon's caught up in what can I get and he realized Philip couldn't give him what the apostles could by the way incidentally you're going to notice here Philip could not give them the Holy Spirit but the apostles could there's a lot of people today running around putting their hands on people saying receive the Holy Spirit they're not apostles figure it out Philip was not an apostle only the apostles could do that. Are there any apostles today? I think they all died. And so here's this guy, he's all caught up and caught up in Peter and John. And he wants he wants something, something for him. He wants that ability and he goes, "How much?" And he's got his wallet out. You see, Simon's not interested in this in this uh, this power or this ability that the apostles have so he can benefit the kingdom of god or for god's purpose, this is for his purpose, his personal profit he's going to make money from this he's thinking about how this could really help him, and notice he's he gladly will pay whatever it takes to get it. This says something about him. In fact, it says something about you and me. That what I'm willing to sacrifice for says a lot about where I stand with God. What I'm willing to sacrifice for says a lot about my values, a lot about my priorities. We need so much money to help some people. Oh, really? Okay. And uh, what's in it for me? What do I get out of that? You know, see, I'll gladly sacrifice money for a home, for a car, for all kinds of stuff for me. I'll gladly, listen, I know it's quiet, but listen, don't be turned off yet. I gladly will sacrifice my time for what I want. I will go without sleep. To see my grandson. But will I go without sleep to serve the Lord? Well, isn't seeing your grandson serve the Lord? See how see how we do this? We try to paint something over it and that's self that's really selfish and say, Oh, that's godly too, isn't it? That's good enough. Really? It says so much about me. It's going to take this much energy and this much time and this much work to spread the kingdom. And I'll gladly do it when it's my kingdom. But I find myself reserved sometimes, guys. As I get older, I find myself sometimes going, you know what? I don't know if I'm willing to do that anymore. What's happening to me? I'll tell you what's happening. I'm getting off the road. I'm getting off the main road and I'm going to Gato. And I, you know what? By the way, we saw the sign that said Gato, but there was no town. There was nothing there. What does that mean? Gatto ain't got so much after all. <laughs> and these, these things I go into and these things I sacrifice for and these things that matter so much to me, you know, and and, I, and I'll do anything for it. You know, at the end of the road it's not that much. But like we heard this morning from Alan, you know, this, this journey on for the Lord, man, it's got so much more, so many more blessings, so much more purpose. But it says something about you and I about what are we willing to sacrifice for? You set in chairs somebody else bought. You set in a building somebody else sacrificed. You set amongst people. Who somebody sacrificed their time and their energy to persuade them to follow Christ? Where's your sacrifice? What, what energy are you going to, ex, ex, you know, just spend on God's things? Because see, what's, what's happened to Simon is he used to have that. It says for a long time he was that way. In fact, the passage kind of gives the idea that he used to do magic. But something has happened. He's getting back into these old habits. And no longer are his priorities, his values, or his expectations about Christ. They're about himself. And look what, look, look what, uh, in the message, oh boy, look what Peter says. To hell with your money and you along with it. What? What's he saying to him? Oh, well, let's say it properly, like the NIV. May your money perish with you. That sounds so politically correct. I think it hides the severity of this rebuke. He goes, why, that's unthinkable, trying to buy God's gift. You'll never be part of what God is doing by striking bargains and offering bribes. And isn't that what happens sometimes? When we get off the road, we start making deals with God, or we start justifying and making little deals and stuff, and and slowly we're off this main road. He says, change your ways, and now ask the master to forgive you for trying to use God to make money. He's saying... Ask God to forgive you for trying to use God to get what you want. Being a Christian is not about what you can get, what I can get. He says, I can see this is an old habit with you. You reek with money lust. You know, Simon is here, Peter is, I mean, just, I mean, just ripping him. You're full of something that's so ungodly. It's it's so bitter. It tastes so different. It's bitter. It's bad. It reeks. What is it? It's selfishness. And Peter says it's disgusting. And he wants Simon to see this. But he's so caught up in this, he can't see what it's pointing to. It's pointing to his sin, and it's pointing to his Savior. I'm convinced churches are filled with these kinds of people. Churches are filled. We have... Listen. Some of you are here this morning. And I say this as kindly as I can. I know, and I'm with you on this, I love the comfort of the cross. But there's a conviction that goes with it. There's a conviction that goes with it, church. And I can't just enjoy the comforts, the goodies and not pursue the godlies, that godliness, that convicted lifestyle. That God wants from me, that Jesus wants from me. He said, "Man, if you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself. It's not about you." But wait a second. When I was studied with, everybody said that Jesus, that on his mind and the cross, I was on his mind, and that is true. Oh, I, and God loves me on the servant, to, and that is true. I'm watching my two granddaughters right now go through some battles at at home. I'm watching, watching my two, my my, you know. Nathan and, and Nicole and Brian and Matt, I'm watching the two of them when, when they start doing this. It's like they get shocked electricity or something. And I watch them go, uh-oh, what do we do? We're going to have to handle this. You know, what is it? Well, see, they've been, these kids have been so used to having been fed and took care of and everything, right? That they're so, it's about me, it's about me. And now that's, there's a collision course. They're learning, no, it's not all about you. And see, that's what's happening in this in, this, in this passage. The spiritual world's colliding with the physical world. The Holy Spirit is colliding with the desire, the selfish desire of Simon, and they're fighting it out to the death. And you have that battle going on inside you, as every bit as much as I do, and every bit as much as Simon. And and we have to we have to see that sooner or later, I've got a I've got a yes, Jesus would say, Tim. You were on my mind. You are my, you're the apple of my eye. You are so significant. I think of you all the time. And I'd like you to think about me like that. I'll think about you. You think about me. Think about others. Because you are not the only person on my mind. It was your family and your friends and Lord knows all the others that... You don't even know. This what's in it for me. Jesus talked about this. He warned us about this in the parable of the soils. Look what he says in Mark 4. The thorny ground represents the hearts of people who listen to the good news and receive it. Does that sound like somebody who became a Christian? It sounds like it to me. They're thorny though. What happens? Well, all too quickly... And we don't know how quick... What was the time frame between the apostles hearing about the Samaritans becoming Christians and they get there? Was it a few weeks, a few months? This is before Twitter and all that. But it was enough time passed, Simon got caught up in his old habits again. And it it says here that, But all too quickly, the attractions of this world, the delights of wealth, the search for success, and the lure of nice things... Come in and crowd out God's message from their hearts so that no crop is produced. And, guys, I, I, I just want to say to you, church, we, this what's in it for me attitude, we've got to address, each of us. If the service is the right length, it's as simple as that, or as complicated as, so I have to go pick them up? They need a ride? And I've got to get out of bed a little earlier. I was up late last night watching movies. You know, it's Saturday night. Woohoo! It, does it mean, is it mean? So I'm, you're telling me it's, I could get hurt having dialogue with this person. I could get hurt for letting this person jump all, It's not about me. It's not about me. Not anymore. What's crowding, your, what's crowding the message, the bird, out of your heart? Christ. Is it success? Your search for success? We all want to succeed. I'd, li- I'd like to succeed. Is it, the, is it the attractions of the world in general, like he says here? The delights of wealth? Or is it, is it just the lure of nice things? That sounds like a Rothman commercial. Because you like nice things. And the truth is, we do like nice things. And sometimes those nice things keep us from knowing Jesus. But there's another thing I want to... Those are the warnings. But there's one more thing I want you to see that I learned from this passage. And that's this. When I get off track, God can help me turn around. Praise God. I'm going to get off track. I'm going to get off the road. Denise, I don't know why... I feel like I drive worse when I'm with my wife. I don't know if it's the pressure, but I'm I, I trying to go see the grand, the, you know, the grandson, and I made a wrong turn. Ended up somewhere else. Almost got into a wreck. She goes, "What is wrong with you?" I think you're in the car, and it makes me nervous. I just, do I get lost without her? Not as much, but I, but I do. We all get off track. Look at the Bible says here in First John. Dear children, I write this letter to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone sins, we have Jesus Christ to help us. Amen? We have Jesus Christ to help us. He always did what was right. So he's able to defend us before God the Father. He's an advocate. He's a defense lawyer. Tim's off the road, God, I know. But wait a minute. He's, he's, got, he's got a great heart. You know he does. I know he does. But look, he's off the road. We'll get him back. We'll get him back on the right track. Oh, look, he got lost again. He gets lost a lot, I know, but I'll work with him. I'll help him keep him back on track. See, no one's perfect. We all fall short. We all blow it. And Simon has blown it. And one of the things I notice here is this idea that, yes, I blow it. Yes, I mess up. That Christianity, becoming a Christian, changes everything it does. It changes everything in my life. But there's two realities I never want to forget. The first one is, I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. I'm a sinner. And I'm saved by the grace of God all my life. He has to, He loves me. Chooses to. But I'm a sinner. Saved by the amazing grace of God. But there's another reality. That's I'm a sinner with sinful thoughts and habits they are always trying to return. Am I the only one who knows this? I'm a sinner. I know this is true. I'm a sinner that has sinful thoughts and sinful habits that try to come back into my life. And sometimes they return. Sometimes no matter how hard I try. They make it. They get through all my defenses. All the protection. Am I right about that, guys? Is that true? No matter what we do, sometimes it just... And we sit there and go, "Why? how did I end up here again? I didn't want to be here. And then we, and we have this relapse... And it's not just drugs or alcohol. It's emotional relapses. habits, just habits that we go, I don't want to have. And here they are. They're back. What do I do? You know, Simon blows it. Peter says, Your heart is not right with God. That's how far off He is. And you know, you might say, Man, Peter, you're kind of cold, aren't you? That's pretty harsh here, you know. No, I don't, I don't think it's harsh at all. That's what he would say. No. Sometimes you need a stiff rebuke. You can just imagine Peter. He knows what rebukes, doesn't he? Get behind me, Satan. What did I do? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus, why are you saying that? Because you have the things of man and not the things of God going on in your brain. You're you're focusing too much on the world. And by the way, does Jesus write Peter off? Hey, Peter, before the day's over, you're going to deny me. Before the morning, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Never! You will. And he does. And the rooster crows. And he hangs his head and weeps bitterly. Well, you can't even find Peter during the resurrection. Where'd he go? He's out just... I'm, I'm, I'm so far off. I'm such a loser. And finally, Jesus says, tell the disciples and Peter to meet me here, and they meet. And what's, what's Jesus do? Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. You sure you love me? Yeah, I love you. I love you with all my heart. Really? (laughs) You just see Peter going. Yes. Yes, I, you know, Lord, only you know. But yes, and what's what's Peter experienced from that from that moment where he got off the road? Jesus did not give up on him, and he does not give up on Simon. And God will not give up on you. You get off the road, you get back on. You make a mistake, God's going to help you with that. You get into some heavy, deep stuff, God is going to help you get out of that heavy, deep stuff. Look what He says to. To Simon. You know, Peter knows the road to recovery, and look what he says. Repent of this wickedness and pray to God, pray the Lord, in the hope that He may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart, for I see you are full of bitterness. Now there's some people that wonder about this. There's some scholars and there's some commentators that say that maybe Peter is saying you're going to be full of this. You're going to be captive to sin if you don't change. I'm not sure. All I know is what I see in this particular translation, and NIV ain't bad. It says, For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive sin. In other words, he is way off where he needs to be. And by the way, he's not too far gone is what I'm trying to say. Because then Simon says, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. He tells Peter, Peter tells Simon, There's two things you do when you sin after you've become a Christian, when you blow it, when you get off the road, when you ignore all the warning signs, here's what you do. You repent, you turn to God, and you pray. Repentance, folks, is a way of life. It is a way of life. You're going to repent over and over and over again. If you're thinking, oh, I must be awful because I'm having to repent of this all the time. Well, I must not be true repentance because I'm having to repent of it again. Really? I think you've got a blank blank check on that, repenting. It's like, okay, you've used up your one hundred repentance. Repents, sorry, no more for you. That doesn't, doesn't work that way. It's a way of life. So when you get off track, you simply turn around, listen to the Lord and turn around. In Proverbs twenty eight thirteen, this is not in your notes or on PowerPoint, but it's in your Bible. It says this Whoever admits your, their sins and forsakes them, in other words, leaves them, turns from them, they get another chance repentance is the key to that look what it says in Ezekiel here as sure as I am the living God I take no pleasure from the death of the wicked I want the wicked to change their ways and live turn your life around reverse your evil ways why die Israel and notice he's talking to his people he's talking to his people we're his people and sometimes we just need to turn and reverse our evil ways and when we do that's the road back that's the road back and then he says pray talk to God about it guys whenever I'm lost you know what I do I've learned to do pull over and ask for directions that's all i got to do and, and that's what Peter is saying to Simon hey why don't you pull over and ask God for some direction ask God for some help It says in 1 John 1, 9, But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. When does that happen? When I call out to Him and talk to Him and and confess to Him. I blew that. Look at Hosea 14. Oh, Israel, come back. Return to your God. You're, You're down, but you're not out. Amen. You're down, but you're not out. Prepare your confession and come back to God. Pray to Him. Take away our sin. Accept our confession. Receive as restitution our repentant prayers. And so what's Simon do? Peter says, repent and pray. Simon says, says these words. He says, pray for me. Pray to the Lord for me. You know, I've had people, you know, I read comments on this and they'll say, notice he didn't pray for himself. He should have been praying for himself. Really? Really? You think that's what he was doing? I, I don't get that impression that he's saying, no, oh, somebody else got have to pray for me. I think he's like I need help here pray for me so that that nothing you have said may What, what, what did Peter say would happen to him that he would perish with his money that he'd be full of bitterness that he'd be captive to sin yeah and he says I need help pray for me kind of like the cards we have we ask people to pray for us that's a good thing No one knows what happens after that. Luke leaves it blank. He leaves it blank. Well, what happened to Simon? Well, there's history. Church history tells us some things. A lot of church history says, you know, he didn't. He didn't turn to the Lord. In fact, he turned further away from God. He didn't listen to this advice. That could be true. I want you to know, though, it's just like the Book of Acts leaves it open. This this morning it's left open for you. Have you got off the road? Have you got off track? All you got to do is turn. Ask God to help you. Why not ask some people to pray for you? And God can help you turn around. I would say this morning, if if, you're, if someone is like this, you got feel like Tim, I'm I've just gotten way off the road. Don't leave it in the air today. Don't let a sign or a, a thing that's said that's pointing you toward Christ, let it stay on the surface after you leave. Let it go deeper into the reality of your soul. Let it, let, it, let it lead you to Jesus. The Bible says as I close in Lamentations 3, look what it says here, just to encourage you with this passage. It says these words, Let us check and see what we have done. Then let us turn back to the Lord that's what I'm asking you to do right now just think about what have I been doing where am I going what are the signs saying to me and turn to the Lord turn to the Lord there's a card in your bulletin gives you an opportunity to respond to this lesson maybe with a comment or, or maybe a prayer request why not ask some people pray for me I want to turn to the Lord where's your amazement this morning where's your amazement lie what are you a Christian for is it still about what you can get are you a contributor or a consumer what would God say you were? be we'll give you a few moments here we're going to sing a song give you a chance to fill out this card and um then we'll sing another song and take up the cards as well, as well as our weekly contribution. May God bless you as you turn more and more to God. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this morning, Lord. Thank You for um, stories like this in the Bible, Lord. Well, when I think about conversions, I don't think about this one. I don't think about Simon the Sorcerer. Father, I'll tell you what, he's got my attention today. He's got our attention right now. Oh, God, would You help us find our amazement in You and Your Son, Jesus? Help us not miss the bird to miss you, Your Son as You're trying to point as You use people and places and experiences and emotions and all kinds of things, Father. Help us not just get so focused on that we forget what it's all about. Lord, have I become a person that that that's strategizing and planning and and deciding what I do based on what is in it for me? Am I becoming that? I don't want to be that. You know at greater Alton it seems like we're becoming more. Are we becoming that? Are we going to become a church that's just all about me? Oh God, help us. Help us see it's bigger than what You've called us to be. What You want us to do is much bigger than our home or our comfort. Father, we pray for conviction from Your cross. And Father, for some of us here who we are just off track right now, Father, I pray, help them get back on track. Help me, Father, when I'm off to get back to turn around. Thank you for your amazing grace. And Father, help me, help us, Father, to be a church that quickly listens to you when we stray and come back to you, Father. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.